So I asked my Irish buddy, what's the difference between an Irish wedding and an Irish wake? He said, one less drunk. <laughs> Today is March the 5th, 2021, and welcome to episode 15 of This Week in Fakeball. I am your host, Jeff Hobbs, uh, CEO, COO, CIO, and all the other stuff of the, uh, of the Arizona Greenbacks franchise. Yes, indeed. Anyway, uh, let's see here. So we got a lot of stuff to cover today, although maybe not that much stuff since the season is... Uh, not yet started, but uh, yeah, this is episode 15 of uh, episode three of season two, I suppose. And we've got some stuff coming up here in the RBA that needs to be talked about just a little bit. First of all, in the, uh, in the I guess, ongoing and upcoming file, we have the expansion draft tonight. So please tune in to Zoom for that. JR has sent the link. I'm going to try to. I believe it's at 10 o'clock p.m., Eastern time. So I'll, I'll probably try to jump on for that. And JR's ongoing all-time RBA team tournament apparently has been resurrected once again from the dead. He's been doing this, uh, uh, sorry, he's been doing this tournament for about the last, yeah, I don't even know. It's I don't think it's been a year, but at least the last nine months. So uh, I guess he'll continue to give us updates on, on that. And Regarding some RBA 2021 news, I guess the protected players are in, and I've looked at them a little bit, uh, not fully yet or anything like that, but there is one thing I want to mention that is pretty funny here, and that has to do with the Silver City Vultures. I guess they're our team spotlight today, mainly because of two things. Number one, they did not protect Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera will not be a Silver City Vulture, at least, well, unless they draft him again. Uh, he has spent his entire career with the Silver City Vultures. He was a rookie all the way back in 2004, I believe. And, uh, yeah, he's been on the Vultures team all the way through 2020. The other thing that's great about the Silver City Vultures this year, and they look like they'll have a probably a pretty good team, is they protected seven pitchers. Out of the 12 players, they protected They protected seven pitchers. And this is a team that has historically been infamous for having really bad pitching and really, really great hitting. Uh, you know, when you play them, you know the game's going to be 10 to 8, and you just hope that your team finishes with the 10. Uh, but this year might be, uh, might be a bit different for Silver City. So interesting, uh, interesting result there. Uh, JR has some RBA trivia for you. And uh, I'm not I'm not going to do RBA trivia, but Jr. is. So if you if you're a trivia fan or whatever, here's your fix. Uh, Jr.'s trivia question actually is a three-parter. Part one: Where was the first expansion draft held? Part two: Who were the first players taken by each of our five expansion teams? <laughs> and these are tough. And part three. I'm just now reading them basically for the first time. I glanced at this email a minute ago. but not, And part three, which one of those five players 
had been the number one overall pick in the regular draft in the previous season. JR says, quote, I love that last one and hope to see you all tonight if you can make it. So I don't know the answers of those off the, uh, to those questions off the um, top of my head, but there you go. I, I'll probably think about them some here when I finish up this podcast. Uh, anyhow, so what I'm going to do for the bulk of this podcast, starting right about now, is talk about the 2008 RBA season. And, oh, this is going to be an obnoxious podcast. You're going to love, hate this one, because uh, this was the first ever championship for your Arizona Greenbacks. But we'll get to that. Um, just a little bit of information, kind of going from 2007 into 2008, a little bit of history for that brief period of the league's history. Interestingly enough, all RBA teams stayed the same, and all coaches stayed the same as well. Uh, including, unfortunately, J.R. Richardson. J.R. Um, remained a part of the league, not only as a commissioner, of course, and unfortunately, uh, but also as a coach of the Chicago Wave. He had taken over the Wave in 2007 when they were rebuilding, built them into a good team for 2000, a very good team for 2008, and then handed them off at the end of the 2008 season going into 2009 to Bob Parker and Chris Baker, who moved them to Fort Duquesne, and in Fort Duquesne is where they reside still. Uh, so what about 2008? Well, going into 2008, we knew that the really bad teams uh, would be Dunedin. They were actually worse than they had been in 2007 as an expansion team. But they kind of get overshadowed, I think, in most people's minds, including my own, when we think about the worst teams of all time, because in that same season, you had the Orlando Calrissians, Adam Goody Kuntz's infamous Orlando Calrissians. Um, the good teams we knew would be Arizona. We suspected, I think, Buffalo and Chicago. And um, those were probably the top three, I think, in most people's minds going into the season. I should also mention that this was the last season for Barry Bonds. Uh, Bonds was with Arizona. He had retired for the 06 RBA season. He did not play in the major leagues in 05. And, uh, but he, he came back for the 07 and 08 RBA seasons. So this was the end of his career, 2008, playing for the Greenbacks. Okay, so we go into 2008. We've got a little bit of stability in the league after some teams had dropped out or some coaches had dropped out and we'd expanded and everything. Uh, between 2006 and 2007. So a lot of change going into 07 and basically no changes going into 08. And here are the beginning of the season. So right after the draft, right before, I guess, week one of the 2008 season, here are the spreadsheet scores at the beginning of the year. All right. So in the Larkin division, going top to bottom, once again, we have a sort of feast or famine situation, just like in 2007. The top team in the Larkin is Arizona with a score of 136. Just to refresh your memories, I like to, I like to say this just about every time. Uh, 80 is average by definition. 80 is, uh, the average is set to 80. 120 is borderline great. You can think of this as a uh, 
oh, about a 95-win team in a 162-game season. Of course, we played 81-game seasons back then. And a 40 is sort of borderline terrible. You can think of that as about a 95-loss team, so like 67 and 95. Arizona is a 136, putting them in all-time great territory, but not like the best ever or anything. There were there had been some better teams. Uh, second place by spreadsheet score going into the 08 season in the Larkin Division, the Chicago Wave, not surprisingly, as I mentioned, uh, with a 124. So that's the feast part of the Larkin Division, now the famine part, although the third-place team, Atlanta, wasn't that bad. They were a 55. Again, not bad, especially for a second-year team, but it's pretty bad. I mean, it's it's not horrible, but but weak, to be sure. And then, actually, second, uh, third-weakest in the league. And in fourth place, we have the, oh, the famous Orlando Calrissians with a score. Remember how I said borderline terrible? I know it's arbitrary, but I sort of draw the line at borderline terrible at 40. Orlando, ladies and gentlemen, was a two. And that is amazing. All right, so the Puckett division. Buffalo, the Wild Wings, coached by Jason Fisher, uh, started out the season with a 126, roughly the same as Chicago, not too far behind Arizona. State College, coached by Jeff Florian, was a 90. That's basically a 42 and 39 kind of team. Uh, Silver City was a 77, pretty much the definition of average. And the sometimes overshadowed, overlooked Dunedin Clear Blues were a 10. That is a problem. All right, and then in the Clemente division, the Clemente was kind of the opposite of the Larkin. Uh, this was the most average, one of the most average divisions I've ever seen, at least at the start of the season. And by average, I don't mean that the average team was average. I mean all the teams were average in this division. Uh, the top team was Las Vegas with a 91. So again, about 42 and 39 predicted uh, record for them. The Gulf Coast Collective were an 89. Now, this is impressive because Gulf Coast was a second-year franchise, and they had a little bit above-average team. In third place, the Elm Grove Cardinals were in 86, uh, very respectable, and the Baltimore Brood, last place, but with, an, again, a very respectable 73. That basically works out to 39 and 42. So you've got four teams in the same division, all between 42 and 39 and 39 and 42, we'll say. So talk about a free-for-all. At least at the start of the season, the Clemente division was just that. All right, so the 2008 season uh, begins. And Arizona had high hopes. Uh, so did Las Vegas, although they didn't have a great team, but they were in a division that had no other great teams either. And... Um, uh, this this three-division era begins what JR often refers to as the RBA's redemption tour. So in 2007, Adam Goodykunz of the then just uh, the then renamed uh, franchise, uh, Walla Walla franchise, which he renamed the Orlando Calrissians, finally won a title. And in 2008, Arizona thought, well, we, we have a chance to finally win a title. And Vegas probably thought the same thing after having not won the title with that tremendous 2017. So anyway, the 2008 season begins, and I lose my first two games of the season. Okay, big deal, right? Lots of good teams lose their first two games of the season. I lost my first two games of the season to Orlando. 
that's not good. Uh, this Orlando team is, is unspeakably bad. So anyway, I lose the first two to Orlando, and we go forward uh, through time a little bit here. And here are the standings. I'm not going to read the, the, all the standings, but after 20 games, some notable results here from the 2008 season. Arizona did right the ship after losing those first two games. Uh, we were 13 and seven. So a nice turnaround there. Baltimore, a disappointing six and 14. And the Orlando Calrissians, a not surprising six and 14. So that's how we stood 20 games in about a quarter of the way through the season. Let's see how things progressed from there. At the All-Star break, the Orlando Calrissians are, get ready for this, 9 and 33. So between round 20 and round 42, Arizona, uh, sorry, Orlando went 3 and 19. 3 wins, 19 losses in those next 22 games. I should remind you that this is baseball. And that's not supposed to happen. Uh, let's see. Elm Grove was a disappointing 17 and 25. They thought they might have a chance that season, but uh, they find themselves eight games below 500 at the All-Star break. The State College Cows were the inverse of that. They find themselves 25 and 17. Arizona is is uh, 31 and 11. At the All-Star break, we went through a really dominant stretch behind Barry Bonds, of course. And the relievers, Heath Bell and Takashi Saito, were just absolutely unhittable. They were great relievers who managed to overachieve. And when you get that, uh, you're going to win a lot of close games. Silver City, a good team, not a great team, actually about an average team, according to the spreadsheet, finds themselves 28 and 14. Silver City, looking like they might run away with it here in the pocket. Um, so... Uh, we get to about the whatever it was back then, three-quarter mark of the season, right? And the uh, the trade deadline passes, and I get some final spreadsheet scores for you. So this is post-trade deadline right all the way, obviously, to the end of the regular season. And here are the spreadsheet scores at that point in 2008. All right. Uh, Arizona bumps up, bumps themselves up to a 141. They had a few points. I think we made a trade for, uh, might have been Joaquin Benoit. Chicago bumps themselves up to a 133. Atlanta drops all the way to a 44. And Orlando goes from a 2 to a 1. They probably didn't do anything. Again, when the average stays at 80, some teams can change uh, without doing anything. A 1, though. All right, in the Pucket Division, uh, the Wild Wings go to a 127. They probably didn't do anything. The State College Cows go to a 103. They made themselves better. Silver City bumps themselves up to an 84. And Dundeeden drops from a 10 to a 0. Uh, it's hard to overstate just how bad that Dundeeden team was. And then in the Clemente, we had a lot of movement. A lot of movement in the Clemente. Remember when I said that all of the teams were roughly average? That was at the beginning of the season. Watch what happens at the end of the season or at the trade deadline. By this point, Las Vegas has risen to a 118, sort of borderline great territory there. Uh, Gulf Coast, a 117. Both of these teams add roughly 25 points or 25 to 30 points. Uh, Baltimore drops all the way to a 48. And Elm Grove drops all the way to a 44, borderline terrible there. 
And so, uh, yeah, a lot of movement there uh, in terms of, you know, players and whatnot uh, from the start of the 2008 season to the finish. And now let's get to the final league standings from the 2008 RBA season. Okay, so in the Larkin division, Arizona dominates with a 56 and 25 record, third best in league history up to that point behind Bonds and Willingham and some of these other guys. Uh, Chicago finishes 46 and 35 and ties for fifth place in the league and the fourth place, oh, sorry, ties for fourth place in the league and the fourth place team in the league gets the wild card. Atlanta goes 38 and 43 and Orlando finishes 20 and 61 and smashes the record, which had been set the year before by Dunedin and set the year before that by Arizona. Uh, they smash that record for worst season in RBA history, and that record would stand for about another eight years. Uh, let's see here. In the pocket, Silver City wins 50 games, second best record in the league and by a few. Uh, Buffalo, 46 and 35. They were the favorite, I would say, in the pocket division by far, easily the favorite uh, to start. They tie Chicago for the fourth seed or fourth place in the league state uh, state college goes 43 and 38 and Dunedin actually goes 34 and 47 they definitely overachieved and then in the Clemente you've got uh Las Vegas winning the division with a record of 44 and 37 so when I say that Chicago and Buffalo tied for fourth in the league it's really more like playoff seedings because they did finish with a better record than Vegas Gulf Coast goes 43 and 38 and misses out on the playoffs entirely Elm Grove, 34 and 47. Baltimore, 32 and 49. Okay, so uh, what else here? What else did I want to talk about? Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. I lost my uh, train of thought there for a second, but that happens with me. Chicago and Buffalo tying for the, uh, for the number four seed in the playoffs. JR, I remember him saying, I remember JR saying that he didn't want to make the playoffs that year. He just wanted to show that he could build a good team. And he got his wish in that he did build a good team, finished with a very good record, and lost to Buffalo in the one-game playoffs. So Buffalo goes to the playoffs, Chicago gets bounced. And Buffalo would, uh, would go on to play Arizona in the first round. And it went seven games that series, and it nearly killed yours truly. Uh, then Las Vegas played Silver City, and that series went seven games, Vegas winning. So Arizona would meet Vegas in the uh, RBA championship, and that series went seven games. Uh, the first game was 14 innings, and Josh Willingham hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 14th. Anyway, uh, Arizona wins in seven games, and that 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 playoff year served as the catalyst for us changing the way we did the playoffs because JR ended up playing 21 total playoff games in one weekend, and it, it basically killed him as well. Uh, so anyway, let's move on to the 2008 replays that I ran recently, and let me pull open my uh, spreadsheet here. Okay, so the, uh, the replays from 2008 – look like this the uh so winning the larkin division and making the playoffs 
15 and a half out of 20 times, the Chicago Wave. How about that? J.R. Richardson's Chicago Wave. And finishing in second place with, get this, an average of 92.9 wins to Chicago's 93.0, making the playoffs 13 and a half out of 20 times, your Arizona Greenbacks. Finishing in third in the Larkin with an average of 70.8 wins, the Atlanta Avalanche, no surprise there. And again, no surprise here, finishing in fourth place in the Larkin division with a total of 56 wins per season, 56 and 106, their average record, the Orlando Calrissians. No playoff appearances for either Atlanta or Orlando. And the Pucket division winning with an average of, get this, 97 games, 97 wins out of 162 on average, 18 playoff appearances, the Buffalo Wild Wings. They had the best uh, replay out of every team. Uh, they went 114 and 48 one time. Orlando had the worst with a 50 and 112 mark at one point. So 97 average wins for Buffalo. Silver City, 83.6, pretty much in keeping with the spreadsheet scores. Uh, also State College, again, in keeping, 82.5. Silver City made the playoffs three times. State College, two and a half. And Dunedin finishes with an average 60.5 uh, replay wins, uh, wins per replay, I guess. Uh, no playoff appearances. The Clemente division finishes as follows. So, so far, the best team in the league is Buffalo. Uh, does the winner of the Clemente division uh, upend Buffalo and, and go to play in the champions match? Uh, well, let's find out. Winning the Clemente division with an average of 95.4, so not more than Buffalo, but 16 playoff appearances and a great job. The Las Vegas effect, finishing in second place with an average of 87.6 wins, nine and a half playoff appearances, so basically a coin flip of whether they would make it each time. The Gulf Coast Collective, Finishing in third with two playoff appearances and 80.9, so pretty much the textbook definition of an average team. Surprisingly, I think, maybe, is the Elm Grove Cardinals. I say surprisingly because they really sold that team off during the 2008 season, and I was using the end-of-season rosters when I ran these replays. And finishing in last in the Clemente division, but with 72 average wins, so 72 and 90, their average record, no playoff appearances, the Baltimore Brood, coached by Doug Punt. All right, so the best team in the 2008 replays was Buffalo. They will go on to the uh, champions match. And the worst team was the Orlando Calrissians. They will play in the next ass match, which I will talk about in the, uh, in the April uh, edition, uh, the April episode of This Week in Fakeball. So I think that that's going to do it for this episode. I want to say happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. That was that, that's what that intro was all about. And definitely um, by the time we get to this next, uh, well, basically in the next month, the expansion draft will have finished. We'll know a little bit more about how the teams are looking, I guess. Uh, at least most of us, I think, will have had a chance to, to, to start really looking at the keeper lists and the draft pool and everything else. And then of course, I think we've got the draft scheduled for mid April. 
something along those lines. So, you know, J.R. Richardson, uh, well, I'm sure he'll find a way to screw up the league as he always does. Uh, he's, he's sort of a, he's a school marm. He's, he's kind of a, a crusty old Haridan, uh, sort of a, sort of a cross between, I guess you'd say nurse ratchet, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge and, and Adolf Hitler. Um, but I think even he cannot screw up the RBA draft that's coming up. Even he, I think is, is somewhat limited in his power to do that. Although I'm sure he'll try. I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to have a This Week in Fake Ball soon where I don't actually talk about anything at all. I just make fun of JR. Like, I'm just going to call him names. It'll probably be the best This Week in Fake Ball ever. But, uh, but that's for another day because I definitely did want to get through the 2008 season this time. And hopefully I'll see some of you on Zoom. Hopefully I'll be on Zoom tonight to catch at least some of this uh, expansion draft. So until that happens, I will see you all later. And again, happy St. Patrick's Day a little bit early. Thank you.